We're in week two of a series called Signs. What time is it? Um, it seemed good to share because the Lord dealt with me, oh, I don't know, a couple months ago about paying attention to some things in the news that there would be some indicators of things that would tell us where we're at in the scope of time. And uh, last week, we talked about something that's happening right now, went into natural news articles, looked at different things, and then read several groups of scriptures, but two main groups of scripture that tell us at the end, before the Lord would come, Damascus, you know, would be laid waste and be a city no more, which is the capital of Syria. And then we read another one that talked about uh, how Russia, Iran, Turkey, and two other nations would be involved in this war, plus some of the Eastern Bloc, which really is technically parts of the former Soviet Union, which Russia has pretty much taken some of them back over, like Crimea, part of the Ukraine, and that would be part of one of those areas. But anyway, these are distinctive areas that are definitely titled, and I went back, you know, before this, meaning after last week, before this, and thought, you know, I did a series that's online in 2013. That's really the only time I think I ever did a series since we started the church on this subject of end times. And what's real fascinating to me, what I taught last week was not in existence back then. Meaning how the things are playing out, the alliances that are there that are told in the Bible that would happen right before the end, and how, you know, Russia, Turkey, Iran, are going at it. They're in Syria now, and in great numbers, more than I think people realize. And, uh, you know, what I found interesting in looking is since Iran's been in there the last several years, they've had 4,000 of their own soldiers killed. Where's that on the news? Why does our mainstream news media not share that it's that brutal in there? And that Iran right now is controlling over 70,000 troops in Syria, but they're not their own. They're under their, you know, rule. Uh, some Iraqi militia, like 20,000, 10,000 Lebanese Hezbollah fighters, and on and on, some Pakistani fighters. What I find interesting is the mainstream media doesn't uh, talk about this, but Iran will constantly say, we're going to kill and destroy Israel. They cannot be a nation. They go in there and set up military bases. They aim the missiles, because what was their purpose in going there? To help settle this thing where this upheaval. They go in there, set up military bases, aim missiles at Israel. I think I showed the article, it was about a month ago. They go in, and Israel destroys every one of their bases, and we talk about Israel's attacking these people. But they set them up with their missiles aimed right at them and said, we're going to kill you. The media is tweaked. But the Bible told us thousands of years ago a battle with these exact people would happen right before the end. And it would be a signal, you know, like if you looked at your watch and you knew what time service ended, you could look at your watch and go, we're near the end. So God didn't want people to be in the dark, but the world is going to be in the dark and they're going to be caught off guard all people. We read a verse last week that people were caught off guard at his first coming, and he said you should not be caught off guard. He said you can tell the weather by looking, but you don't even know the time of your visitation. And he's basically was saying, this is what's wild. He said, you don't even recognize I'm the one who was promised I'm standing in front of you. 
And they were right there, and they were the religious people of the day, and they totally missed Jesus' coming the first time. And he said it would be like that at the end, too. But it doesn't have to be because, see, not everybody missed out on his first coming in the sense of knowing who he was. But there were religious people who kept wanting to trap him. They were so twisted and so bitter, they didn't like what he was doing. And they were missing the fact this is the Savior of the world standing right here, right in front of us, doing a work, and missed it. And he said it's going to be parallel at the end. There are going to be people who are going to miss it. But nobody has to. But people will. Turn to Matthew 24, and we're going to go a little bit different way this morning. And uh, we're going to read through a set of scriptures that I find real interesting concerning the end times. Matthew 24, verse 2. Now, here's what I've said before concerning these topics, and I'll say it again. Sometimes you got to throw out old ideas and be open to what really the Bible said. There are some people who are really, really strong about things they have no right to be really strong about, and they're misguided on this very subject, let alone others, and it's plain that what they're saying is maybe not altogether true. You with me? It would do us a service because here's the thing, if we're totally looking for one thing to come and we've got this in our head, it's going to be this way and then it doesn't happen that way because we were so ingrained in certain things, we could miss it and think, well, we're waiting for this and this was not that that was written. It was somebody's idea, somebody trying to twist scriptures to fit. You with me? That's why you always have to be teachable. Not change main doctrines, but teachable. Matthew 24, and we're going to read a number of verses here, verse 2. And Jesus said to them, do you not see, because they mentioned, hey, look at the temple, and they were showing him the temple. And he said, do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. So this statement right here, they're in front of the temple. Jesus is there. And they said, look at this. And in one of the other references, you know, because Mark talks about this stuff and Luke talks about the same story. One of them, they say, look at the architecture. That's always fascinating that they said that. Here they said, look at the building and so on. And then Jesus didn't say, yeah, it's really cool. See this? See that? No, he said, listen, I'm going to tell you something. This thing's going to get thrown down. It's going to be destroyed. You know, that did happen in 70 AD. Now let's read on. Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, see, he didn't just go running. He sat down too. The disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things be? And, are you allowed to write in your Bible? Circle the word and, if you're allowed to. And you want to, because later on you might go, why did I circle and? Because and is connecting what he's saying to this. So when will these things be? What things? The thing they ask. What did they ask? What did he tell? When will this happen? When will the temple fall? All you have to do is know history and know that happened 1,900 years ago, right? So part of what he's about to tell is actually past history. 
that would help us because some of what is past history has been told to us like it's supposed to come. You with me? Now he sat down on the Mount of Olives, and the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So he said, when will this happen, the temple? Then when will you come and then this age will end? When? When will this be? So what's he going to answer them? He's going to answer them those things. He said this, and Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. He was speaking to them. But wait a minute, they had been with him. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. Let's look at this a little bit here and then move on. Understand this, many will come in my name and say, I'm Christ. Now, you can read and go online and find there's a guy in Russia right now who claims to be Jesus, and he has a pretty big following. Yeah, you laugh, but people are following him. But does it mean Christ Jesus? All it says is Christ. Many will come and say, I'm Christ. What does the word Christ mean? I'm anointed. Oh, now that changes it. Many will come and say, hey, I'm anointed. I got it going on. That's a change of perspective because people sometimes read it and read that like, you know, Christ Jesus or Jesus Christ is like, my name is David Allen Edwards, like David Allen Edwards, and you know, you can call me Edwards or David or whatever, and I'm the same, like Jesus Christ is the same. No, Christ is the description of who he is. He really is anointed. And so people are going to come. Now, are there people who are anointed? Yes. Are there people who have God's power in them and on them? The church does. But will others come and say, hey, I got the goods, and don't? Oh, he said they will. And he said, for many will come in my name. In other words, saying, I'm the way with the Lord. I'm anointed. And will deceive many. And then it says, they'll deceive many, and you will hear of wars, rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. Now, here's the thing, just a side thought. Thessalonians, the letters there, at one point, they thought the Lord, they had been started hearing the Lord's already come. Way back then, they were hearing stuff like that, and they got troubled in mind. And he had, Paul wrote them a letter to settle them down about the issues of the second coming. Notice this. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. For all these things will come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in various places. Verse 7, right there. We're going to look at that in a second. All these things are the beginning of sorrows. Notice verse 9. Then they will deliver who? You up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Now, what's he talking about? What's he talking about in the big picture? This is important. See, if you've heard this before, you maybe didn't keep in mind what he was talking about. What was he talking about? When will the temple fall? Right? When will 
the end be, and his second coming. So we have to ask, is this section right here talking about what? Second coming? Fall of the temple? Turn to Luke 21, and we're going to turn right back here so you can keep your finger there. Luke 21, and we're going to look at just a couple of verses. Now, this is the exact same story from Luke, but he gives a little bit more detail that will give us clarification of who and what he's exactly talking about. And you'll notice, now, if you know history, when Israel fell and the temple was destroyed, they were surrounded by enemy armies. And then they were overrun. So when you hear of wars and rumors of wars and this stuff happening, were there not pestilence? Didn't the book of Acts prophesy and famines? Didn't the book of Acts, even certain ones, Apollos prophesy and said there was coming a famine? And then so the Christians, believers, set food aside to send to those people that were there. And didn't that happen during that time? Famines, wars surrounded. Didn't that occur? So is this talking about then or now? Did all the disciples, meaning the 12, the 11, because one hung himself and another one was put into play, didn't all of them but one get killed for their faith, became martyrs? So we could think, wait a minute, he told them, you're going to get delivered up. They got delivered up. You're going to get killed could it be that he was talking about then, not now? I know this will bother some people, but let's just start reading. Verse 20, same part of the scriptures. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know, and Jesus prophesied it, and it did happen. Notice this, when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its, its desolation is near. Whose desolation? Jerusalem's. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Notice, let those who are in the midst of her depart, and let not those who are in the country enter her. Do you know if you read history, people escaped under their rule. They held at siege and people escaped. As a matter of fact, numerous disciples did. They got killed later on in different ways. But notice this, and he said, those who are in the country, don't enter her, don't go back in. For these are the days of vengeance that all things which are written may be fulfilled. But woe to those who are pregnant. In other words, when you see this happen, these things that are written right here will be fulfilled. Not the Ezekiel 38 war, not where the Antichrist comes, not that. Let's keep reading. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. How many people have been pregnant today thinking, I hope this ain't the day, and they weren't interpreting this correct? Look at, let's keep reading. For there will be great distress in the land, and wrath upon this people, and they will fall by the edge of the sword, and be led away captive into all nations. Well, we looked last week where they were drawn back from all nations. So this cannot be at the end because when they come back, it says then they'll never be displaced. So this had to be right at the 70-year period. Let's keep reading. 
and they will fall by the edge of the sword and will be led away captive into all nations. Right? We read that. At the end of time, they would be called back and they would come down from the north and from all the nations and enter back in. So this section right here has to be back then. So how many people have freaked out and thought, I'm going to get my head cut off? Look, right here. And he was literally talking to them. Now, if you want to, you can. But let's be honest, at least. I mean, I'm not looking to that. I'm not thinking, hey, let's just get our heads cut off or something. Notice, uh, hopefully I didn't lose you right there. And they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled by the Gentiles. And we touched on this from a different angle last week. Notice this. Until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Isn't it interesting? Israel was brought back into a nation in 1948. Jerusalem got taken back in the late 60s. And here we are weeks ago recognizing it now as their capital. And he said it would be trampled under feet until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. So if you look and think, well... When are these things? So we really can look and go, hey, go back to Matthew 24, and these things about, you know, that he's talked about right there, earthquakes, all that, some of those have already happened. They're long but gone. And they were signals to this time, meaning of the temple falling. Then he said it will be however long it is, and then right before the end, Israel will come back. So you could tell that had to be, I mean, I don't know. Somebody said, that's the way you interpret it. Listen, if I was reading a map and you were reading a map and you came to a wrong conclusion, I think we're both going to come to different destinations. That's pretty simple. Whether you don't like this or not, be honest. Well, let's just keep reading. Where were we? They're the beginning of sorrows. Verse 8. And all... These are the beginning of sorrows. Verse 9, then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. So we know that had to have come to pass because he was directly talking to them. And then many will be offended. Now, we have switched directions. Many will be offended and will betray one another and hate one another. He has changed and come toward the end of time. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Notice there was deception then, deception now. Every letter in the New Testament was given to refute false doctrine in some way, or the majority of them. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound... Do we live in a country, and we live in a law-governed country that is tweaking laws? And like I said last week, we cannot look just at our country and think we are the center of prophecy, or we will totally miss the whole thing. Right? I said that last week because so many people say, well, you know, the United States isn't even mentioned in end-time prophecy. That is selfishness to the max. Because Canada's not. The Netherlands is not. Mexico's not. Guatemala's not. El Salvador's not. Peru's not. Australia's not. 
Well, does that mean then they're all destroyed too? No, you know, because people think more about us than what he's talking about. That's why I said you have to be careful or you can get led in all different kinds of directions because, you know, it's like the world revolves around us. Like, you know, God wrote the Bible to revolve around the United States. No, it's for people to get saved. It's for the church, but it's for us to know stuff. And it's so people can look at the roadmap and see things. But it's not a book written to us, per se, like it's ours. And everybody else is looking in. And we're the ones that it all goes around us. No, no. But will things occur here and in Central America and South America and different things that will be signals and signs? Yes. Now let's keep going. Then many false prophets, verse 12, 13. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. One translation or one, you know, talks about will wax cold. Like, you know, candles used to dip them and keep dipping them. The more you dip them, the more layers that get on them. You have to guard your heart or you'll get bitter and you'll get resentful. And you won't be willing to forgive. And you won't be willing to do this. And your love will wax more and more and more and more. And it'll grow to where you're hard and harsh toward people. And don't want to give people a chance. Even after they've blown it a bunch of times. Why? Because there will be things that will be there that will try to apply attitudes to our lives that we'll have to refute. It goes on to say, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. So we know now he's already gotten to the end, and to the end of their life, but the end of time too. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, or literally people groups, and then the end will come. So we know after verse 9, he has now gone to the end. And isn't it interesting, he talks about lawlessness, people who won't want to follow certain disciplines directions, give up on love. Wait a minute, I, I thought I'd be seeing people's heads get all cut off and everything and, and thrown in prison. Well, I'm not saying that won't happen, but these are the signs he gave. Now let's keep going on. Therefore, verse 15, therefore, when you see the abomination spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. Somebody said, well, I want to read, but I got to understand. And I don't understand what we're reading. Thessalonians talks about this in the second chapter of Second Thessalonians. But it talks about it here in other places and obviously Daniel. What is this desolation, uh, this abomination? It's an abomination. Well, we know before the tribulation, what's called the tribulation period, and halfway through is called really the great tribulation. It gets even worse. But that seven-year period, that war that seems to be in the present time staging, they're there. Then out of that, people believe, and I don't know, and this is my own thought, I don't know if it'll be a week, a month, a year. You know, I think some people read about the Ezekiel 38 war and think it'll last a month. It could last years, like World War II, like Vietnam. It could last year after year after year. And then that gap in between there and the peace accord and the Antichrist coming to rule doesn't mean you snap your finger and then he's in. It could be a week, a month, or a year too, or two years. 
But hey, if we're in this, we know. And we know there will be catastrophic things that will happen from the Bible that could cause major destruction and damage around the earth. And cost many people, we know, their lives. You with me? And so this abomination of desolation is when a man comes and sits in the temple, starts declaring himself like he's the man, like God, like, like I'm anointed. And he will deceive many. So he falls under that category too of being a deceiver, and many will follow him. And that's what this is talking about. Let's keep reading. Whoever reads, let him understand. Verse 16. Then let, so let me make this statement again. He comes somehow as a ruler, and he will be accepted by people. I don't know that he'll actually will look at him as the Antichrist at first. Maybe we will. I believe the church should know. But he'll be some kind of ruler that will rise up, and he'll start acting like I'm the one eventually, full blast. And he'll sit in the temple where only God's supposed to be. And it goes on to say, and that's why there's so much fighting over the land right now in the temple. And they're all preparing to rebuild the temple. They have a temple institute right now in Israel that they're all prepared to rebuild the temple. Right now. It has always been hush-hush, and it's always been a side issue for a number of years. Just this last year, they're now publicly announcing it. And you'd hear about it, and I was kind of like, whatever, you know, because you hear about it, hear about it, hear about it, hear about it. And I'm kind of like, okay, I want to see this. You know, not a, I got to see it to believe it. But you can hear all kinds of stuff, but now the information is public. Notice this. Then let those who are in Jerusalem flee to the mountains. Now he's talking about another time fleeing, but not being driven into all nations. This is when this guy starts getting the rule there. This is during the last seven years, and there's a particular part of the last 42 months, three and a half years. It says, let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. Let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant in those days. Now he's saying it again. And this time, it's a different thing. And it is over there, not just everywhere. Nursing babies in those days, and pray that your flight may not be in the winter or on the Sabbath, for then there will be great tribulation, testing, and trials. It'll be a harsh environment in this day, such as has not been since the beginning of the world. So in other words, even back when the disciples were killed, until the end of time, it will never be in this time, right at the end, it'll get brutal. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Now here's what we need to understand. He talks about these times. He talks about deception. This Antichrist period is the last seven years on the earth. It's like the clock is ticking. And what I find interesting is Revelation 13, 5 through 8, and we won't turn there, is, gives the last final three and a half years where it just, it's on. This man could very well be alive today. We may know him. We may not know him. You know, years ago, 
They said he could be Ronald Reagan. That can't be. He's dead. Because Ronald Reagan, you know, the mark of the beast, 666, is mentioned in that chapter. You know, some kind of marking, which we are doing now. Computer chips, you know, marking people. I caught fish when I was on vacation that had computer chips in their gill. And I cut them out and took them. I have some in my office. Yeah, just mark them, know where they've been, can track them, their growth. Fish. It's already in play. I mean, I just got two like a month ago with those chips. Not potato chips, microchips. I had more chips, potato chips. Revelation 13, 5 through 8 talks about that final three and a half years where the Antichrist then will say, hey, I'm the man, you got to worship me, you got to obey me. And I talked about that, so you have to look at last week's. And so we'll just keep reading. Notice verse 16. It says, starts talking about those who are in Judea to flee, so on and so forth. Uh, 18, 19, woe to those who are pregnant. Verse 21, for then there will be great tribulation such as not been since the beginning of time, the world until this time, nor ever will be. In other words, this period of time will lead into such tribulation. It will have never been like that on the earth. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. In other words, there's going to be, we know, right at the very, 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 very end, right at the last days of those days, I believe, seems to fit the bill, China will come up against the Antichrist. There will be a war that will go on right then, and the Lord will return. And who knows, maybe it'll be nuclear right at the end. But we'll read verse 23. Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it. Why does he keep going back to this subject? For false Christs, false prophets, will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Now you understand, signs and wonders follow believers. But these are different to draw people away to false doctrine and false truths. You know how many self-help things and how much non-Jesus stuff is out there now? And he said, see, I have told you beforehand. Therefore, if they say to you, look, he is in the desert, not Arizona, but could be. Do not go out because there's desert there. Look, he is in the inner rooms. Do not believe it. Now, he's going to tell you something here in verse 27 to help you to know who to believe. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. Understand this. When the Lord comes, it'll be like that. Bam. Everybody will know it at once. You won't have to hear somebody say, hey, he's over here, he's over there. It'll happen all at once, and boom, you'll see it. Now, look at verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. Now, when you read that in the book of Acts and talks about the red moon, you know, the blood moon and the sun being darkened, do you know when that takes place? He, he just said it. How many people have said, oh, this stuff right here? I believe people can be misguided by thinking, oh, that's the end. No, no. He told us right when he comes. If you're alive at his second coming on the earth, 
whoever is, they'll know just days before. It's not going to be talking about blood red moons and this stuff and all. No, he tells you what it is immediately after the tribulation of those days, the day that the Antichrist was here. He said, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars, this is in the book of Acts too. And the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, This is the last trumpet. And they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Now, that being said, that is the end of time. That's the last couple of days. Hey, if you're here or if we're here or people are here and they hear this or read this and all of a sudden it gets dark and overshadowed and and stuff like that, you know, hey, man, this is cool. <laughs> Set your clock out a couple of days, just a day or two. Literal. You could hold your breath that long. You could make it. It's real cool that he gave real distinct stuff so you would know. Notice this. Now learn the parable from, doesn't say the parable of, but from the fig tree. So many people have said this is the nation of Israel, and it is not. Because you go to Luke 21, he said, learn the parable from the fig tree and all the trees. Notice what he said. When its branches, the fig tree. Israel is normally never mentioned as the fig tree. And it's amazing people say, Israel's fig tree. Israel, Go search yourself. Do what they did in the Bible and search the scriptures to see if it's so. Normally, they're mentioned as a different type of tree. There is no reference but one obscure one in the Old Testament of them and then one parable that Jesus gave about a fig tree not bearing fruit. That's it. Notice what he's talking about. Now learn the parable of the fig tree. When its branches, a real fig tree, and Luke said, and all the trees, are ready, he said, branches have already become tender and puts forth its leaves. In other words, it starts to bud. You know that the summer is near, right? Spring, they start to bud. When it starts to bud, when you start seeing these things budding, you know summer's almost here. Isn't that true? All of a sudden, don't our trees go from little buds, and all of a sudden, one day you walk outside, and they're all green. And that's what he's talking about. So you also, when you see all these things, the things we read before, and the things we'll read probably in a couple of weeks. Know that it, this second coming, is at the door. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass until all these things, not this one thing, and that's how people have tried to interpret it, like it's Israel becoming a nation. Well, it doesn't work because the generation's already passed. It's all these things. He said, when you see them all come to pass, he said, you know, when all these things take place, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will not pass away by any means. In other words, this is going to happen just like this. For time's sake, we got to stop. But I will say this to leave you with a thought, and we'll talk about this. 
though people will be deceived and people will fall away, the church will look hardcore powerful. Not because the Lord did it in his own special way, but because people make adjustments and change and they start walking in the power and authority that is already rightfully theirs. And when he returns, the church will look like that. Not some fake power thing, not some whatever. And how many people are waiting on the Lord? It's not going to be waiting on the Lord. It's not. Though people teach that, and I'm going to show you scripture, so don't throw me out with the baby and the bathwater. I'm going to show you. But the church, there's going to be a a core within the church that's going to start adjusting their lives and walking in faith and walking in victory. Not everybody will, but there will. And then the Bible tells us in, in, in Revelation 19, the church will have made herself ready. He got us saved, but the church is going to get ready and we're going to be clothed in such a way when he returns, we're going to look like the body of Christ. Amen? And it's going to be good. We're going to watch it because it's already been foreseen. He already knew there would be people alive that would start making the adjustment, and then all of a sudden it's going to create adjustment, and it's going to spark stuff in people. Maybe he saw us already, and maybe those scriptures meant us. Interesting thought. Maybe our trip to Guatemala and Honduras is part of this gospel being preached, and he saw us as part of that. Even if we didn't, he may have. 